0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. and I'm Jenny. Hello. Hello. Hey, We're talking what's new releases and recent arrivals, right? That's right. So what's new? What's arrived? <laughs>
1: I have a lot to get through, so um, I have... What
2: has your dog uh, picked up?
1: Oh, he, you know, has a wide interest in audiobooks.
2: <laughs> oh, good.
1: Um, I posted a picture of him guarding the box, so he's What's very... What's
0: your dog's name again? Bailey. Bailey, right.
1: He's very I invested say in Snoopy,
0: <laughs> He's a Snoopy, right? Yeah, he is. What, what is the Snoopy brand? Beagle. Beagle, Beagle. Got it.
1: Brand. Breed.
0: <laughs> Breed brand. <laughs> So, they modified. In some Chinese factory,
1: aren't
0: they? Oh. Foxconn <laughs> created them.
1: Oh. Well, being the librarian that I am, I have taken the liberty of grouping our audiobook arrivals into categories.
2: That's very good. I like the so, space drama category. That should be an yeah. official genre.
1: Let's start with that. We have a lot of books that fit in that subgenre space drama. I basically tried it. that was space opera or all the Heinlein juveniles would fit in that category.
2: Usually. Good. And all the ste- steampunk is in there, too?
1: No, i put that in a different one. Okay. It wasn't in space. Right. Uh, so first, uh, we have The Prankster by James Polster, performed by Luke Daniels, and uh, it's actually a novella. Oh,
2: nice. and only three hours.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty quick. Um, to Palm Trager, humanity's entire history is one big joke, and he delivers the punchlines, broadcasting hilarious exploits back to his home planet. But then he gets stranded. He actually gets stranded on Earth. So he's an alien. Yeah, should be interesting.
0: <laughs> i never heard of this author.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: My- I, I like uh, novellas a lot, and think it's my favorite uh, category.
1: Yeah, and it'd be a good way to get to know his writing too.
0: I, I I dig that they're they're doing more novellas now than, I mean it used to be almost unheard of, especially as a standalone you know book rather than as a part of a, you know short story collection or something.
1: Yeah, and I just have to say that Luke Daniels is all over this list. He's done a lot of audiobooks lately. Huh. He's the reader for that.
0: I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard him.
1: Well, you'll have an opportunity because he's everywhere. Okay. Um, let's see. We have two full cast audio from Robert Heinlein, both the juveniles, both about survival and tests and coming of age. One is called Space Cadet and one is called Between Planets. They're both roughly around seven or seven and a half hours, which is a good, a good length, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: And great books, too. Space Cadet, I, I'm a little hazier on, um, but... Uh, both full cast audio, those should be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, didn't you, yeah, you tweeted these uh, with pictures. And I'm like, oh, that, that I, I went through that entire list of of tweets and I was like, oh, this is a retweet and this one's a star. <laughs> 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 or or what, what's a favorite? I, I don't know what, what what happens when you make something a favorite, but I, I, I favorited both of those because... Uh, I think they're really good. We, if if you can't find anyone else who will get them, I'll I'll take those.
1: Absolutely. We actually have a new reviewer that only oh. has full cast audio, so I think I've.
0: Yeah, Ace Tachyon, right?
1: I'm putting him aside for him, but if he doesn't want them, definitely. Oh
0: no, definitely give him, send him send him his way.
1: And um, let's see, in the same category, there's another Heinlein, Methuselah's Children. Cloud okay. by Claude Andrews. On all, this one's on brilliance, so this isn't a full cast one.
0: That is a really early book, I think.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like it's kind of an exercise in, okay, America has achieved liberty and justice for all, and everyone's equal, and then people might give it all up because there might be a way to be immortal. hmm uh-huh. <laughs>
0: Um, actually i was i posted a story about uh, an early heinlein short story called universe which is uh, set on a generation starship mm-hmm. and um, it said that uh, as part of the future history idea that he wrote um, that one of the 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 sistership of the one that's in that story is one that gets stolen by these immortal people in the uh in Methuselah's children, I think.
1: So do you think he started with the short story?
0: Uh, well, it's so the short story was in 1941 as was uh, the novel. So mm. I think it was probably, you know, at the same time around, if not, which came first exactly, but yeah.
2: Is that all part of the future history? It's all the yeah. Same universe.
0: Yeah. actually, In mm-hmm. fact, that issue of, um, uh, of astounding has his, uh, chart, future history chart in it and a uh, uh, an idea behind it. Huh. I, like, I like the guy with the two heads <laughs> in the post. Oh yeah, um, he's not in the audio drama. Uh, oh. they, they they changed it quite radically, and I actually think it's a better uh, ending. It's very noir, um, whereas in the in the in the short story, it it's followed by another short story. So,
1: what I don't. Know about and this isn't in the description at all. It on the front of the audiobook it says Methuselah's Children, starring Lazarus Long. <laughs> I don't know With what that means. Is that a character?
0: Yeah, Lazarus Long is is uh, an immortal dude. Um, okay. And there was a yeah. Uh, he's he's one of Heinlein's sort of uh, perpetual characters, I guess, because he's he's long lived. <laughs> Maybe he's supposed to be Heinlein himself. I don't know, hmm. but um. There was a a book that came out called The Notebooks of Lazarus Long.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And that was uh, popular with somebody, uh, not me. I don't I I I don't see that as a selling feature myself, but <laughs> I know that uh, so he's been in several novels. I you know, it's really hard for me to keep track. Yeah. Uh, it's all of Heinlein's characters are exactly the same. There's mm-hmm. there's like three or four different flavors of Heinlein characters that but they're all really just
2: Heinlein. Right? Well, Isn't he the one, one that married his mother or something? Yeah. Well, that sounds different.
1: <laughs> well, this one has a, a kilt, sir. Yeah. A kilt with a shiny space jacket.
2: Yeah, he's a Hollander.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably why the reader is McLeod Andrews. He's probably got a little Scottish accent. Might make it worth listening to. Yeah, no, not.
0: there can be. I, I've never, one. I've never heard it. I've only read it. Yeah. Uh, years and years ago. Well. Oh, that's good. That's from yeah. Brilliance, right?
1: It is. Okay. Um, so let's see. Elsewhere in the space drama universe, <laughs> we have Fate of Worlds, Return from the Ringworld by Larry Niven and Edward M. Lerner, read by Tom Weiner. And this one's actually one of the few we have from Blackstone Audio this time around. Uh, it sounds like they've put a whole bunch of worlds together and made them all end at the same time.
0: <laughs> it's uh,
2: book four in series. series?
1: It's the finale to both Ringworld and Fleet of Worlds. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Oh, weird. And it's yeah. like 10 hours long.
1: Yeah. should be really interesting.
2: Hmm.
1: Huh. Is Ringworld I... the one with the Modis?
0: No, that's oh, no. It's in the same universe, though, sort of.
1: Yeah. It's like yeah, the same, end same
0: of <laughs> Larry Niven co-wrote that, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the Modis is the Moten's God, in Moten yeah. God's Eye. Right? Jerry Pornell. Ringworld is the one with the giant ring that's a world.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I guess that you, makes sense.
0: You, you, no, <laughs> you, should, that's read, a, you
2: should read Ringworld. Ring yeah, it's a classic. It yeah. is. I'll add it that's to my list. It's a classic Big Dumb Object, BTO. It, yeah, it's... <laughs> is
1: it's, that a thing?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: There's actually a blog called Big Dumb Object, I think. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like, Rama is one as well. And uh, I think there's a few... Is this Elevator? Uh... No, because a, a space elevator is something we see. A big, dumb object is something it's, it's you know drifting through space, and we do go explore it, and it has nothing. It, it's not communicating, I think, is the idea. Hence, the dumb.
2: dumb as in stupid, code. dumb as in unspeaking. I was trying to relate mm-hmm. it to Fountains of Paradise that we just did before. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, that's
0: just a big, big object. It's a smart object. It's like, like a smart smartphone. Phone. Yeah.
1: Engineered. Yeah. All right. Okay, so the last one in this category is Energized, also by Edward M. Lerner.
2: Hmm. Is that his first solo outing? I no, know. he's written
0: stuff alone before. Um,
1: this is our other Blackstone audio title. It's about ten and a half hours, read by Grover Gardner, whose name I didn't no. Oh,
0: we've had him on the podcast, Jen. Oh, have you? Oh. Ah.
1: He, Sorry, Grove.
0: He's a big wig on the Blackstone. Oh, okay. uh, It's often, he's, a, he's an old school narrator with a great voice.
1: Oh, good. Well, um, I'm forcing Terp Kristen to read this one because <laughs> um, a NASA engineer is the main character. And um, it's basically kind of a geopolitical intrigue book. Because of some miscalculation, the oil fields have all become tainted with radioactivity and everyone has to find a way to find energy sources at the last minute. Hmm. <laughs> so a NASA engineer works to force asteroids into the atmosphere to somehow save the world's energy situation. So.
0: Hmm. Stored gravity? I, 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 <laughs> I think we'll get a lot of energy. I just think it'll be usable. Yeah. I don't know.
1: So it's kind of um, a different take. I,
0: there was one book uh, I read of Learner's, but I think it was with Larry Niven. It's, it's in that uh, Fleet of Worlds series. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I assume he's in the Larry Niven tradition. You know, the hard uh, SF, hard SFy sort of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds A lot of
2: big research. big objects.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay, oh, so uh,
2: that's
1: it. Oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to mention that uh, uh, Niven and Gregory Benford have a book coming soon in October what's, what's that one about the, the the bowl
0: of something oh right yeah yeah That I, I think that sounded like a big dumb object as well it was like bowl world or something yeah instead of ring so, world it's bowl world no. what's, so what's the um the one that goes around the sun completely that's called a Dyson S- Dyson, Dyson Sphere. Sphere. yeah so that uh, there was one of those uh, Jenny if you saw Star Trek Next Generation they had one with Scotty came i don't know he was frozen or something um, and they had a a dyson sphere in in that and that's a big dumb object and then you just cut that in half <laughs> i guess bowl, bowl world <laughs> i don't know practical i don't know how, how that's going to work <laughs> cuz the whole the whole point of a dyson sphere is it, is it it's not going to fall into the sun because it's it's completely surrounding the sun
1: mm-hmm.
0: but a bowl world would just fall into the sun
1: I don't think so. I
2: don't know. And I also read hex, which is, instead of a sphere, it's just like these little hexagonal shapes that surround the sun. So that way you can still get things going in between them. And and yeah, it still gathers the same amount of energy.
0: So, uh, Jenny, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you made this, I was thinking about this this list uh, by category. In the fronts of books, uh, paper books, There was always on the copyright page, there's always the, you know, sort of the, I call them themes, but they're not really themes, it's categories like this. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's usually library, right? It's usually Library of Congress subject headings, right? Right. Yeah. But those categories tend to be a little, well, outdated, sometimes too broad. I like to make my own categories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but so like it would say biography, American presidents, right. Nuh. Uh, uh, 20th century or something like that, right? So
1: all that means is if you walked into a library that used that cataloging system, all of those books in that category would be in the same area.
0: Yeah, but it, but if, if it said, like, uh, biography, American presidents, so th- that would narrow the ISBN, not the ISBN, what's that? The
1: the call number. Dewey Decimal? The Dewey classification decimal. system. I, yeah,
0: so I, I, I want to know, like, if there's a section of each, like, I want to know if I've got a, I think that'd be a really good website. What section of the library are you, you know, by catalog card number, Dewey Decimal System?
1: There is. I'll send it to you.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Mm. It's called
1: the Library of Congress.
0: No, 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 no. Like where you take a test, you know, one of those websites where you take a a quiz and it says what Mm -hmm. section of the,
3: uh,
0: you know, your American history, uh, presidents 20th century, uh, Oh, I was going to say Grover Cleveland, but that I don't think he's twentieth century.
2: I don't.
1: Know. I will look for something like that because that would be fun.
2: Yeah, that would be really fun. You can get a license to be a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: damn. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to the next category.
2: Librarians are born; they're not licensed.
1: We're Is trained. We're trained. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Do you have um, a Potome that trains you? Is that the right word?
1: Yes. There are secret rituals, too.
0: <laughs> cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Can you pass each other in the streets and give give each other the the sign? Uh, I could tell you, but... Counter signs, <laughs> the, the secret handshake. <laughs> on the square and on the level. All right. Uh, short stories, are we going back yeah, to that?
1: Yeah, I thought okay. we should go back. I just kind of put two different audiobooks in this category. Um, the first one... Um, has been a popular one already. Once I posted it to the Twitter feed, Julie jumped on it right away and said, I have to read this one. That's yeah,
3: great. Um,
1: Trucker Ghost Stories, edited by Annie Wilder. It's only four hours long. It's a Macmillan audiobook from Tor, and it has two different readers, Tavia, or Tavia Gilbert and Peter Ganim. And um, these have actually been gathered from truckers <laughs> <They're> true, true, <laughs> true. True trucker ghost stories. Yeah. So I think this one will be really great.
0: Oh, there's a paranormal podcast. Uh, it looks like interview with her. Oh, good. I'm gonna huff off that. Uh, I, I just I, I want to know about it just because I think it's like are are the trucks ghosts? Are the <laughs> the truckers ghosts? No. Or like you're driving down the highway and you see a guy on the road and yeah. he's really not there.
1: It's encounters oh. that truckers have had. Oh, but she's so, put together other anthologies, so mm-hmm. the you know ghost stories, the House of Spirits and Whispers is her also.
2: Huh. So there's no alien ab- abductions in this one.
1: I don't think so. I think it's all ghosts. Okay. <laughs>
2: ghost abductions.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the other-
2: Gone. That's
1: okay. The other anthology of short stories is 21st Century Dead, a zombie anthology um, from Blackstone Audio, edited by Christopher Golden. I was really excited about this one because you know me. I like these anthology. Mm, by I theme. (laughs) Um, So I started listening to it, and then the CD player in my car died. Oh, no. I was really sad. I have to get it fixed. But... um, the first story I was listening to was really creepy. I don't really like zombies. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good choice for me, but it was talking about this, um, I don't know, it was a situation where school children go and have to take care of a zombie baby for a while, kind of like in the old days where you'd take care of a flower sack. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, and they smell really bad and the food they have to eat is really disgusting. And
0: Well, that, that's just regular babies.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> they smell really bad because they're pooping. <laughs> so, uh, Maybe it's and, very oh, here's like. a table of contents. Um, there's an Orson Scott card story uh, called Carousel. Let's see. Simon R. Green. Ken Bruin. He's a good writer.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great authors
0: in there. Oh, Dwayne uh, Swierzynski. I think that's how you pronounce him. Hmm. Uh, and a bunch of other people. Oh, Daniel H. Wilson. Okay, so there's. Uh, and Brian Keene So there's some I know in there.
1: Right, and the distinction of 21st century is important because the same editor pulled together a, an anthology of stories from earlier
3: mm-hmm.
0: days
1: and centuries. so um, these are all really recent and set in really present times and future times
0: cell phones and uh, yeah. smartphones and
1: yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah i'm I'm
2: just about over zombies yeah there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of zombie books out there they're, yeah. they're multiplying. It's almost like one book eats another book and turns into It's <laughs> <office laughs> spreading throughout the bookstore. <laughs>
1: it's fitting. <laughs> oh my!
0: Um, have you either of you read uh, the Walking Dead comic? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think that's uh, we got to get Scott turned on to that because he's he's turned on to the Lock and Key. Lock and Key, right now.
3: Hmm. Those
0: I, are. Cool. I, I, uh, yeah, it's a really. Uh, it really gets people into comics, I think, because it's it's great art and it's beautiful, um, and it's not zombies, but uh, it's almost like Stephen King because it's Joe Hill. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's especially if you read up to book five, uh, I think, you know, it's it's first one's Welcome to Lovecraft. It's Lovecraftian more than even most Stephen King stuff is, I think.
2: Very good stuff. Yeah, in the beginning, right. there's a lot of, like, time jumps. I didn't really like that part. But once I got the book two with the the head key, I won't say what it does. I thought that was so cool that I stuck with the series after that. And the art is incredible. It's yeah, beautiful. Oh, yeah. I like the detailed kind of art instead of the scratchy art.
1: See, I've <laughs> only read number four because it was nominated for Hugo. Oh. But I'm, I'm going to go back and start at the beginning because I thought it was amazing. So
2: yeah, it, it is. Amazing. I actually started at number two, and that's how I got hooked.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I don't remember how I got started, but I think I started with number one. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Crazy,
0: I know. But yeah, I'm up to date, so waiting for the next collection. Yeah, the last one, the finale is coming out. Yeah, it should be good. It's uh, it's well constructed. I think we're really getting distracted here. All yeah. right, next, next, next uh, category is what? Um,
1: Steamboat? I'm re, I'm renaming it, so um, I'll oh. we'll call it. <laughs> I want it to fit. It's gears and robots.
0: Eh? Yeah, yeah, cool. And- um there's metals. Just, yeah, metal. <laughs> how about steamy steamy
1: robots? <laughs> I think it's a romantic. Just invented
0: a <laughs> horrible new genre.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well the first one's really fascinating to me. It's called Clockwork Angels, the novel by Kevin J. Anderson. And it's from a story and lyrics by Neil Peart. I think that's how you say his name. And it's also yeah, performed sure. by him. He's um, one of the members of the band Rush. And so there's actually an album by Rush called Clockwork Angels that starts to tell the story. and this is kind of a collaborative novel that's related to that.
2: Oh, he reads it.
1: because mm-hmm. he's
2: he's the drummer, he's not the singer.
1: Right. Um, oh. But it's his lyrics. He wrote the lyrics. So the description is, in a young man's quest to follow his dreams, he's caught between the grandiose forces of order and chaos. He travels across a lavish and colorful world of steampunk and alchemy with lost cities, pirates, anarchists, exotic carnivals, and a rigid watchmaker who imposes precision on every aspect of daily life.
2: Mm.
1: Sounds interesting. It's only eight and a half hours.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, the Rush connection
0: would pique my interest.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I don't is steam is steampunk uh, a musical genre? It's it's a sort of a a, fan, a fiction subgenre. I, I guess it's arty.
1: Well, actually, if you read the steampunk bible that's pulled together by Jeff Vandermeer, there's a whole section in there on steampunk music.
2: Oh, he's your close personal friend, right?
1: No, <laughs> I've been to some readings that he did, but um. It, I, I learned a lot from there. There's some sections on steampunk art, steampunk fashion, steampunk music.
0: Yeah, it's a very visual thing. It yeah. is.
1: And actually, this audiobook comes with a booklet with artwork in it. Because hmm. they want there you to be able to envision what they're seeing. So.
2: There are neat. steampunk rock bands, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: I posted a story. Um, uh, Mr. Jupitus goes to steampunk no it's it was a bbc um uh documentary about the steampunk phenomenon and uh uh radio documentary and it was it's it it seems to me like it's it's more like an attitude uh in the way that you know a ren fair is an attitude it's not really a uh fiction genre that has really ever worked for me in any specific story but yeah it's uh what's it called mr Jupiter in the age of steampunk
1: hmm. you know it's funny because i live three hours from atlanta where dragon con is every year hmm. um but i in my town we also have the upstate steampunk festival <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of fans around my area for steampunk
0: yeah, I, I assume that they're not just dressing up, but they're actually reading these books, too.
1: Yeah, and they take lessons on different things relating to steampunk. Like, they have classes and stuff.
0: Well, it's a, a lot of crafting and, you know, mm-hmm. like making your steam gun or steam clothes. And Lo- tea, lots of top hats. <laughs> yeah, it's a
3: kinda
1: lot of
0: maker fun. types. Yeah, it's, make, it's, it's sort of combining all that. It's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, people can I mean, be really creative with it.
2: I've never actually read a good steampunk book, but uh, like all the Miyazaki, a lot of the Miyazaki anime movies are basically steampunk, and I really like those. Hmm. But uh, I've yet to find like a steampunk book that really wowed me.
0: You know, uh, I've talked about it up before, but there's a Canadian TV show that is—it's not steampunk; it's history. uh, But the way they do it, uh, they sort of emphasize the sort of fantastic element. Hmm. It's uh, called the Murdoch Mysteries. And it's 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 based on a series of novels, um, but uh, there's a lot of like Jules Verne will show up, or uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and you know there will be balloons and uh, I mean he's he's basically got the entire CSI kit that that uh, that they have in on CSI, uh, but it's all 19th century, so you know ultraviolet light and they have. Uh, stories that are connected to, um, you know, real historical events that are happening, like the the war between Tesla and uh, I don't know the other guy. <laughs> Who's the other guy? Edison? ACDC wars. Yeah, Edison. Right. Uh, so they, it's 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 kind of steampunky, mm-hmm. uh, but it's nothing, and it is absolutely impossible. So they just have bicycles and. Uh, you know top hats, and they have all that sort of thing. But really, it's just 19th century. And so, what if if you look at uh, you know the 1950s, and you look at all the space age sort of uh, kitchen appliances, right? It looks like the future. <laughs> but if you look at um, or the fins on the car, right, it looks like the future. And if you look at the 19th century as you know the the cutting edge of science, rather than the 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 grim and dirty. Uh, I don't know. Steamworks, f- uh, the actual factory. Um, it it looks different.
1: So. Mm. Yeah, I think rather than read very many of the current fiction that's steampunk, I've I would say I've read more of the the early science fiction from the golden age kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like the the 19th century, turn of the century stuff. Yeah. But I haven't read a lot of the recent stuff. I think I read the first Cherie Priest novel. Right. Um, I don't remember the name of it The one that's set in like a steampunk Bone Seattle Shaker. Yeah, Bone Shaker, Shaker. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, how'd you like
1: that? Well, it just wasn't really my thing I know a lot of people really like it though And she wrote, I think, a whole trilogy, right?
2: Yeah but. She's going to be on Sword and Laser pretty soon
1: mm-hmm.
0: Alright, uh, next one VN VN,
1: VN, VN? by Madeline Ashby
0: What does VN stand for?
1: Mm, uh, probably Von Neumann because it's about Amy Peterson, and she is a von Neumann machine, which is a self-replicating humanoid robot. In case you didn't know,
2: I I think von <laughs> Neumann machines are self-replicating. Okay. Uh, I think this is. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I think this is basically science fiction. Yeah. It's not well, in space
1: but it's, though. True. But it's robots, and yeah. all the other science fiction I put in space drama. And
2: and I, and I know I know the the girl robot eats her grandmother robot, and then the grandmother robot's voice is inside her.
1: Oh, okay. That's well, all I know is that people are trying to take her down because she's stopped being able to not harm humans. So, <laughs>
0: stopped being able
2: <laughs> to not harm.
1: Yes. Sorry for all those negatives. I like that. There's supposed to be that fail safe, and it's stopped working. So,
2: the three laws but, do not apply.
1: Hmm, guess the not. Robotics.
0: So, uh, why isn't this just a gynoid with uh, with functioning? Uh, replicated parts
1: i don't know i don't think i know enough robot lingo to answer that question
0: <laughs> or android you know an android is a is a male a uh, human looking robot male and a gynoid is a female looking robot hmm. why
2: isn't that a girl noid
0: uh, gynecology oh oh g-y-n
2: androgynous i see All
0: Right.
2: <laughs> i think she's a uh editor a poster on Boing Boing too, Madeline. Yeah, it's not gynoid (laughs) G-Y. G-U-I. Oh, my.
1: I think you should write a book called that with (laughs) G-U-I.
2: The gynoid. He likes the the party. The gynoid and his gynoid. (laughs)
1: Um, I
2: I actually read the beginning of this. It has, like, a weird kind of cold tone. Um, Maybe I need to give it more of a chance.
1: Well, she is a robot.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I guess it's appropriate.
1: Well, and I love how this came out on Angry Robot on Brilliance Audio. So maybe she's the Angry Robot. I don't this is know. This like
2: their flagship book.
0: Yeah. That's it. it's, it's not bad. Um, the one that I'm trying to recall the name of, I did a review of a Charles Strauss book not that long ago, long ago with a uh, a gynoid main character.
2: Oh, Saturn's po- Children?
0: Yes, that's right. Saturn's Children, which is a uh, itself, Methuselah's Children. You know, it's it's a basically a Heinleinian. Kind
2: of like Friday. Uh,
0: so, yeah, mix of Friday and uh, a bunch of other Heinlein sort of stories. Um, that was really, really quite good, and um, it, I I think it it is more interest like you know going back to uh, t- that Ted Chiang story, Exhalation. You know, I think uh, we should get used to having a lot more. Uh, non-human characters as the main character. You, typically, it's you know some human and his alien buddy, hmm. right? I think it's more interesting to have a non-human main character for a while. See how
3: that goes.
1: Yeah, you know, I've been reading Cloud Atlas again. Um, hmm. I'm in a book club that's talking about it tomorrow, so I have to finish it today. And of course, the movie's coming out, but one of the storylines in it, I don't know if you guys have ever read it, but it's about... Somni Four Five One, who is a clone of sorts, but mm-hmm. so it comes from her perspective, and it's a really interesting part of the novel. Hmm.
2: I haven't gotten to that yet.
1: Oh, are you reading it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've only read like the first two chapters.
1: Yeah, I started no, I, listening I, I to the, the audio too. Oh, yeah, the
2: Wachowskis well, are involved in the movie. Yeah, yeah they are, and mm-hmm. the guy from, who made Run Lola Run. So three mm-hmm. directors. Wow.
1: And the audiobook is amazing because, you know, it's all these different stories. And so they have different narrators for the different stories. And the one that's so hard to read in print because it's all dialect-based and it's like post-apocalyptic Hawaii. Hmm. <laughs> so it's much easier to listen to than to try to read. But Aloha. <laughs> I know it's several years no. old. I don't think
0: you
2: ago. say aloha in the post-apocalypse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it can mean say, hello I'm or I'm hi. killing you for your food. <laughs>
2: It fits every situation.
1: Mm. They use a lot of slang in there, though, the whole, like Hawaiian type slang. Wiki
0: wiki on on eating that guy's
2: leg. <laughs> um, yeah, chapters uh, like a I, I haven't uh, heard historical. of this book before. Yeah, nobody did until the uh, movie trailer came out.
1: And I had.
2: It's like <laughs> selling off the shelves, like, except for Jenny.
1: <laughs> it's one of my favorite books.
0: So it's from 2004, so it's not. Not brand new. Yeah, it's has got new, but Prize. Everyone's States reading documents. it. Yeah, that's why. That's why you know about it. Booker Prize, right?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I've heard some places it's sold out because everyone's picking up copies. Oh yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, it's great.
0: Who's the audiobook narration? A bunch of people. Yeah, yeah.
1: full cast. Oh. It's one one person for each little section, but there's a lot of really frequent names there. Hmm. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs>
2: But I, I found that first chapter really uh, hard to get into because it's it's like a very uh, archaic,
1: and absolutely
2: very authentic to that period. But uh, you really have to think about, you have to kind of like translate every word almost.
1: Yeah, way. you have to kind of stick with it because it gets better after that. Right. And it becomes important that you had you know had that experience. You know, it follows through in different ways. So. Oh okay. There's a little teaser for you, Tama. <laughs>
2: Oh. Wow. I know, but it's it's definitely a hard uh, entry point. It is. It's probably what, why not too many people read it until the movie trailer came out.
1: Yeah, and you know it's 500 pages, which is more than a lot of people want to really commit to. So, but
2: I'm the movie trailer's on it
0: uh, Audible. Uh, there is a version that came out from Books on Tape, uh, but I assume that was back in 2004.
1: Oh, I got mine from Audible.
0: Oh, well,
2: maybe it's just not showing up for some reason. And it's Maybe. weird, the end of the first chapter, kind of cuts off in mid-sentence, yeah. and everybody complains that the audiobook is broken.
1: Hmm. It's kind of like the book we read that started with chapter two.
2: Yeah, that's uh, The Mysterious...
1: The Curious.
0: The Mysterious Dog in the Night Times Sandwich.
1: <laughs> uh, so the narrators on that one are Scott Brick, Cassandra Campbell, Kim, my guest, Kirby Hayborn, John Lee, and Richard Matthews. And it's 19 and a half hours on audio.
0: It is not coming up when I type in Cloud Atlas into Audible, so it must that's be weird. pretending that I'm not in its region or
1: something. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, no. Who's the
0: uh, publisher?
1: Um,
0: Co.uk. I'll try that.
1: Random House.
0: Random House. Yeah, that's books on tape. Oh, uh,
1: okay, I see. It must be the same version then.
0: Uh, maybe. Usually they didn't have multiple narrators back in 2005 as a standard thing.
1: Uh, well, this came out in 2004 in Audible, so...
0: Oh, really? Oh, well, then, that's probably the same one.
1: Mm-hmm. I was so surprised when win the booker that year, because it's really excellent.
0: Yeah, so it's on audible.co.uk, but I can't get it to come up on audible.com for me.
1: Interesting.
0: Tim, so like the, the middle... The
2: oh, the, the, the middle the the chapters are science, science, fiction, science fiction, and then, like, the beginning and end chapters are historical. Yeah, that's but it, go, ahead, go on.
1: Well, there's there there are bits in there that you, that you don't necessarily know about in the beginning that oh. all of it a little fantastical and uh, I'm I'm noticing more of it this second time around. Ah, oh.
0: uh, the one that's on audible.co.uk is abridged from 2005.
1: Oh no, you don't want that.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Dig around some more, I guess.
1: The language is important. I wouldn't go abridged with this one. No. Not okay, I'm sorry. We got way distracted, but that's kind it. of what I'm listening to right now. So I'm like, whoop.
0: Von Neumann by uh, Madeline Ashby was the last one. Mm-hmm. So hmm Our next moving. category
1: is mm-hmm. fantasy noir. It's my own category. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so the first uh,
0: one- can't be, because Midnight, the last one on the list is a series. Noir cannot be series.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: i got you jenny
1: whose rule is that that must be your rule
0: it is my rule because noir at the end of the story everybody's dead
1: i don't follow your rule but in fantasy
2: they come back to life
0: (laughs) okay so yeah somebody made that point uh if you're a vampire you could come back to life as a vampire that's fine because you're still technically you're dead so vampires could qualify as noir but i think you're defeating the point the point, the point of noir is it's like dark and basically it says the world's fucked so if the world's fucked how can it keep going
1: okay well I'm going to call this investigative fantasy <laughs> <laughs>
0: <CSI. Okay. laughs> you could do hard-boiled
1: hard-boiled <laughs> fantasy okay there it is
0: oh, there we go. Uh, the first
1: one is Darker Than You Think by Jack Williamson
0: oh, that's a classic
1: all in lowercase Um, It's read by Jim Meskman, and it's from Blackstone Audio. Who is the child of night? (laughs) That's what small-town reporter Will Barbie must find out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is a classic uh, from
1: 1948. Oh,
2: wow. You should be the narrator, Jenny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a rash of grisly deaths. He's embroiled in something far beyond mortal understanding, dot, dot, dot. I think the word embroiled is very important for hard-boiled fantasy. (laughs)
2: Hard, hard-boiled fantasy. Hard-boiled. Hard
0: oh my! I got. I think I want to review this.
3: Okay.
0: It's uh, it originally from 1948, and there was a shorter version from 1940. A short story. So.
3: Perfect.
0: I've I've heard of this book. It, you know when I I've heard of something, uh you know in my readings over the years and say oh yeah I've, I keep hearing that that book over and over again, uh makes me want to read it mm-hmm. because it well, it's it, it. well yeah usually. Uh, I mean, sometimes not. Sometimes it's it's like a negative thing. It's just somehow got mixed up in it. But usually it, it's because it's some sort of classic that everybody says, you know, this, 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 and this. And I've read two of the, those things in the list. And the third one, I just never found a copy of. I've never seen it for sale anywhere.
1: It kind of feels like an endorsement. If they dig something up from the past and take the time to make an audiobook of it. Oh yeah, you know there must be some kind of value there.
0: Yeah, and Jack Williamson is—he is, he is uh, one of the founders of of modern science fiction. Not modern, uh, ancient science fiction. Mm. You know, from you know the nineteen twenties to up to the present.
2: Yeah. What was the most famous like science fiction book?
0: Uh, I think it's it's um. He, it's uh, available from Blackstone. Let me see if I can bring it up. Uh, he, he, the humanoids, I think, are with folded hands. Uh, that's one of those ones where you hear it again and again. Um, again, that's from the 1940s. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with it. Uh, it, it's you know, it's published in Astounding. So it's, it's. Oh, uh, okay, here's the categories for him, uh, Jack Williamson. Genetic engineering, terraforming, psionics, uh, space opera, antimatter, settee ship. I don't know. What the, is that what you put your feet on it? I, or no, your, your, your tea tray. Uh, Frederick Pohl and Android. So it says well, see also when you look at Jack Jack
1: Williamson. And unless that's what the mystery is here, this book doesn't sound anything like any of those things. I,
0: uh, but, yeah, he referred to as the Dean of Science Fiction, fiction following the death of Heinlein. Hmm. Huh. So.
1: Worth a read, then.
0: Definitely worth checking out.
1: Okay, so the next one, um, it looks like to be the first of a series, sorry, Jesse, is Technomancer from Unspeakable Things, book one by B.V. B. B. Larson, performed it sounds
2: by... Like, it sounds like science fiction.
1: Yeah, except for the description. When Clinton right. Draith... Wakes up in a private sanatorium. He has no memory of who he is. Um, He figures out that he's an investigator and blogger specializing in the supernatural. And his life is getting stranger by the minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's all about him discovering and figuring out why he's there. So that doesn't seem very, seems more like hard-boiled or mystery or, you know, kind of one of those other genres.
0: Somebody's described it as a thriller that reminded me of a video game. Well done.
1: Oh. Well the cover's really cool. It's my favorite cover from this whole yeah, set. Uh
0: well the one oh I'm just looking at the Amazon set. Um but it's it's got a guy in a hoodie uh staring down at a street or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh the some of the, the covers weren't spectacular. no, what about the uh the Heinlein ones? Those were great. With the Between Planets and uh Weren't those awesome ones? The guy in the kilt. Space kilt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like ones that make me want to pick it up and find out what a book's about. All right. So this one's oh, a little mysterious.
0: Yeah.
2: No, it gonna, doesn't sound terrible. I was going to mention I saw Hanline's uh, Red Planet in the bookstore, and the cover looked really cool on that.
0: Yeah, it wasn't that? Uh, it didn't really give you a sense of what what's going on. That, right. It, that book is about uh, kids running around on Mars naked. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't uh, oh, naked? Uh, whenever possible, have people naked. That's Heinlein's rule, even if they're on a frozen planet. Um, sure.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Technomancer. Hmm. Anybody heard of this author before, B.V. Larson?
1: No. I have not.
0: Hmm. Well, might be worth checking out.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so next, we have Saint City Sinners by Lilith St. Crow, performed by Tanya <laughs> Eby on Brilliance. I love the name Lilith. Good job for her that.
0: And, <laughs> and St. Uh, Crow, too. Come on. Yeah.
1: I think uh, that's a pen name. I don't know. think. <laughs> My favorite line from the description is the last one. Sometimes revenge is best served demon hot.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's book four in the Dante Valentine series.
1: Yeah. So if you already knew that series, you'd probably want to read this one. The cover is cool. It's red and has a. Well, I guess chick with my sword. demon. Yeah, chick with a sword. It's red, black, and white.
2: Mm. <laughs> Chicks that kick ass.
1: Yeah, it could
0: be like uh, from that, what, what was that one we were talking about earlier? Battle Royale, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, by email. Um, uh, I kind of want to read that. Anybody picked that up yet?
1: Um, I feel like it's one, one long. said they wanted to read it. Yeah, because that one's coming out on audio, and um, it's... The one that everyone says hunger games is exactly like so it's definitely it was
2: before hunger games it's twice as long
1: yeah and written by a japanese author i think
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's a movie
0: too mm-hmm. uh tam there was a comic uh that i read not too long ago that i think is kind of oh it's morning glories have you read that I uh,
2: no i've heard the title
0: okay well uh i think it's kind of in that same genre it's a uh, some very weird private school that kids go to and maybe are being murdered in and have to fight their evil teachers or something. <laughs> it, it, it seems kind of like the sort of uh, Battle Royale idea. Not yeah. that I've read or seen it yet, but
2: I, I sort of get the sense. I think Battle Royale is on Jenny's list somewhere, right?
1: My long list of books I'm going to read someday.
2: No, in this spot, <laughs> in this
0: file. Oh it it is. It's on a oh is it on this list? Oh.
1: Well I think I just I might have just emailed it. Okay. Because yeah. it's on that list in the email. But um, okay, last in this category is Midnight, which is the second in the Nightingale trilogy by Stephen Leather, performed by Ralph Lister on Brilliance. And all it really says on the front is, Your sister's going to hell, Jack Nightingale. Hmm.
0: I guess Jack Nightingale's our main character. I think so. Uh, the cover on the the paper book's not super exciting, but
1: he's a former police negotiator, and now he's a private investigator.
0: The the main character or the author?
1: Jack Nightingale. Ah. So now he has to save his sister, and he has to ask himself a question: Is every soul worth saving?
0: Hmm. Supernatural noir. Somebody said. Yeah. But they can't be right because it's a series.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think you might be outvoted.
2: No, well, yeah, but I don't know, think anybody I, I, knows this noir, uh, law. I know. Yeah, but you know, it's it's
0: like, um, it's just it's it, just because people don't know what it you know it's they just don't understand what the word means.
1: I think more accurately, it's everyone dies except for the private investigator, and he has to be tortured. No, no, that's
0: hard. That's hard boiled. <laughs> no, no, that's totally hard boiled. Um, th- think of if you think of movies, okay? Um, so Philip Marlowe, that's not noir. It can have some noir elements, but it's not noir because uh, nobody's dead in the end. Uh, the main character's not dead. So uh, the the if you we're looking at movies. The other one would be, um, uh, kiss me deadly. Um, which is, uh, it, which is a detective novel, but at the end of the novel, the entire world's destroyed.
2: <laughs> Maybe is at least the more with a light in the box.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, or, um, who's the author? Uh, that's, uh, Mickey Spillane. right? So he's basically a noir writer. No, he's hard boiled. Oh. The oh. end of the movie is noir. And noir is also a look in the same way that steampunk is a look, right? Right. Um, But but a noir ending or a noir book, we would say. uh, So Hamlet is the classic of noir plays because in the end everybody's (laughs) dead. The main character's dead. The bad guy's dead. uh, The good girl's dead. The father's dead. The uncle's dead. The mother's dead. Oh no, maybe the mother's not dead. Most people are dead. Um, But
2: but there's no private detective. Uh, I no, noir have
0: have to, detectives. no, it doesn't have to No, in fact, um, usually it doesn't If you look at noir movies uh, Most most Are not about detectives They're about uh, losers Like James M. Cain uh, You know, he wrote um, The postman always rings twice That's about a drifter who shows up At some roadside diner And gets in cahoots with the wife To kill the husband And uh, they all end up dead <laughs> Um, spoiler: if, A femme fatale. No, it, it's not a spoiler because you know if you're getting into a noir; they're all going to die, right? Or, or uh, if they're not going to die, they're going to get so fucked that, that it, there's no point. Or Body Heat, if you've seen Body Heat, that's a great movie from yeah. the early eighties. Um, totally, it's a it's a noir uh, color film. So, anti
2: antiheroes.
0: Uh, yeah. I, uh. I'm not. Tr- I can't remember enough about antihero to figure it out, but uh, or Chinatown. Even though there was a sequel to Chinatown, um, that still qualifies as noir because uh, it, it the things are so fucked up. It's like unbelievable. It's Chinatown. That that's exactly right. You seen you've seen that movie? Yeah. And they, when you say he says it's Chinatown, it means it, it means. Things are so fucked up. You just got to walk away. Nothing that you did. It's Chinatown, oh, Jake. Walk away. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't even have to say walk away. Because earlier in the movie, it gave us the idea that it was.
2: Go let nose heal, Jake. <laughs> he gets okay.
0: his nose cut. Yeah. Uh, by a kitty cat. All right, (laughs)
1: let's move on. Okay, so the next (laughs) genre is fantasy adventure.
0: All right, I have no problem with those two. Thank
1: you very much. Is it Alex Bledsoe? Go
2: ahead.
1: Yeah, the first one is an Alex Bledsoe one, Wake of the Bloody Angel, an Eddie LaCrosse novel. Is it kind of
2: like noirish or detective-ish?
1: Yeah, actually, the publisher describes it as epic fantasy noir, but luckily I took it out of that category. (laughs) This one just sounds like it's a, a lot of fun. Like uh, it, it includes a secret pirate kingdom and a crew of the damned and a sexy former pirate queen and a freelance sword jockey.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, I, I like the cover <laughs> on the paper book.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: got uh, a couple of pirates.
1: Yep. Lots of pirates.
0: Um, I, I think I've read Alex Bledsoe, but not, um, not this series. Hmm. Ooh, He's Stefan Rudnicki is the narrator. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, I read one of the um, uh, standalones, I think. Uh, it seems to come up with good titles. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So some of those, uh, the titles like Sword Edge, Blonde, Burn Me Deadly, right? They're they're references to um, to novels are uh, not novels, uh, movies movies that are noir. So he's he's working in the in the same idea, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the second one in that category is The Hammer and the Blade by Paul S. Kemp performed by Nick Podell this is another angry robot on Brilliance audio title um, short description kill the demon, steal the treasure sounds easy there's a warrior priest Egil and a sneak thief Nyx and a fast paced adventure with swords and sorcery
2: fast paced adventure oh I heard him on uh, Functional Nerds the book is supposed to have a lot of humor to it.
1: Yeah, and I was trying to figure out if this Egil, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, I'm sorry, and Nyx, if they're characters from other books, um, but I'm not sure.
0: Uh, it looks like, um, yes, yeah, so people are saying old school sword and sorcery, and another person says a Liber-esque sword and sorcery. So Fritz Liber wrote uh, some Glankmar books. Have you, have you heard of these? Uh, story set in sort of an alternate fantasy world uh, where there's a character called uh, Fafard, he's the barbarian Hmm. and the Grey Mouser and the Grey Mouser is sort of a sneak thief and they're a team of thieves living in a a world full of weird, scary gods and um, they're sort of trying to carouse their way through life but they're always getting into trouble with fish gods and uh, wizards wh- who wield electric- electricity bolts. and uh, It's it's pretty fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that this is trying to do exactly that. It, it's If it's a series, it's the
2: first book in a series. It doesn't say series, right?
1: No, it doesn't say it anywhere. But...
2: Yeah, this might be quite good. I think it's the first one. I actually read the first chapter of this, too. And uh, it, oh. it almost oh. seems like a, a buddy movie. Like, it's the two of them. Mm-hmm. and They kind of uh, trade barbs back and forth. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Seemed it seemed fun, but it's mm-hmm. classic, from what I've read of it.
0: How long? Mm-hmm. How long is it?
1: Eleven hours.
2: Hmm. John Anilio endorses it, the mm-hmm. musician from Functional Nerds. Has he got a song for it yet? <laughs> uh, not that I know of. Okay.
3: Hmm.
0: Oh yes, somebody says can't wait for the second book in the series. So,
2: oh, yeah, okay. It's probably going to be a series. Mm-hmm. So you can just read the first one and pretend there's no other book. That's yeah. usually what I do
1: because it's not. Advertised as a series.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: yeah. Put me down for it if nobody else is excited about it.
1: All right. Um, okay, so following along on our little fantasy continuum here, I have two books on dragons. <laughs> uh, one is called Sky Dragons. It's part of the Dragon Riders of Pern by Anne and Todd McCaffrey, mother and son. Uh, performed by Emily Durante. This is Brilliance Audio, and it's just about 12 hours. So... Dragons, effects of a plague, the planet's helpless against the fall of deadly thread, and the only hope for the future lies in the past.
2: Sounds like every Pern book I've yeah, ever I've never read, read the any of them. <laughs> I don't know. Some people I, say it's actually science fiction, like they yeah. You
0: know. Well, it is. It's it's. I think uh, yeah, it is supposed to be in the background. It's more like planetary romance, like uh, uh, I guess. For us, yeah, huh. something like that. Are they naked? I haven't, I've only read one novella and no, I don't remember any explicit nudity. Okay.
1: I know that people naked know the Dragons series maybe. really like the series, so I'm sure we'll find a reviewer for that one. Good. Um, the other dragon one is Blood of the Emperor, which is from the annals of Dracus, book three, by Tracy Hickman performed by Phil Gigante on Brilliance. And this one has elves and pilgrims and prophecies and free humans and the final campaign to bring down the evil empire.
0: (laughs) Uh, Is this a a series
1: book? Yeah. Book
0: three.
1: three. I think it's a trilogy.
0: I I read a lot of Tracy Hickman back in the 80s. Hmm. Is he good? What do you think? Uh, I think he is a he. Uh, I used to be unclear as to whether Margaret, I, I guess Margaret is a female, uh, Margaret and Tr- Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Uh, it's hard to say because I don't know if I've ever read Tracy Hickman alone. Um, but it really, you know, is is good adventure and move things along. It, I, I don't think, you know, it's it's for people who read a lot, I think. Uh, it's, it was competently written, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I've definitely heard the name lots of times. Yeah. I've never read him. He has Uh, a new Batman book out too.
0: I think he did a podcast not millions of years ago as well. Hmm.
2: I think Margaret is his wife.
0: I'm not sure about that, but uh, they they wrote a ton of books together.
2: Yeah.
0: Now we go to the big category.
1: Yes, we have lots by (laughs) Philip (laughs) P.K.D. Yeah, there seems to just be a real. wealth of philip k dick novels coming out on audio lately i know i listened to uh counter clock world not too long ago
0: oh did you finish that
1: Hmm. i you think were... i i reviewed it must not have read that review
0: oh i don't think i, I didn't see it <laughs> i'll have to dig it out yeah I, I know we talked about it and oh. you were describing it and i was like wow that's awesome
1: well maybe i didn't i'll have to check <laughs> Um, But that's not on this list, but we have four other titles, um, and some of these are really interesting. The first one is called Gather Yourselves Together, performed by Luke Daniels, again, on Brilliance. And when I'm reading the description, all it really sounds like is a romance to me. This is a really early one of his. Three American workers have been left behind in China, and the communists are advancing. But it's all about how they're in love with this one woman. (laughs) So, I don't know. Kind of different.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, Philip K. But he, he, when he's doing, um, <laughs> he's starting into novels. He, he it took him sort of a while to find himself. I think. Mm-hmm. See what it says. But it says it was written when he was 24 years old.
2: Wow. He was very young for uh,
0: anybody to write their first novel. Um,
2: let's see what it says here. His hormones uh, were flying at that time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Counterclock World had a romance in it too, so.
2: Uh, let's see. It Might says
0: just to have
1: romances. Uh, written around 1948,
0: 1950. Wow. Yeah, that's, wow, I'm surprised. Published posthumously. Uh-huh.
1: uh-huh.
0: As with many early books, which were considered unsuitable for publication when they were first submitted as manuscript, this was not science fiction, but rather a work of straight literary fiction. <laughs> manuscript was 481 pages at the time it was published. It was only one of two novels for which... Uh, the manuscript was known to exist. Hmm. hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, gather yourselves together. It, d- it sounds sort of like a science fiction title, but it's actually a
1: mainstream book. Yeah, at least in the description, there's not a speck of science fiction in there. So
0: uh, I'll read the plot summary from Wikipedia here. It says: After the final victory of Mao Zedong's Chinese Communists in 1949, an American company prepares to abandon Chinese operations, leaving behind. Uh, three people behind to oversee transitional affairs uh and then they're named vernon and barbara are previously involved with one another back in the states in 1945 when she lost her virginity to him they had sex again but barbara has matured and becomes more interested in carl who's younger than she is carl is more interested oh my
1: god see i don't see (laughs) literary i see romance
0: here. sounds like twilight in reading his handwritten volume of personal philosophy to her. Carl's more interested in reading his handwritten volume of personal philosophy to her than having sex. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, so they her.
2: literally gathered together.
0: Well, he, he got married like five or six times. Uh, I think it was five times. And and it sounds like, uh, as is usual with his fiction, he's writing about his own life. He was a romantic uh, at heart. He's never been to China, as far as I know. But he... he, he he read incredible amounts of stuff. He's very knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. Hmm.
1: Well, this next one is uh, one that is kind of along what I would like to read, which is mm. I the Sky, performed by Dan John Miller. It's on Brilliance Audio and it is eight hours. And the malfunction of a particle accelerator leads to a world of Old Testament morality, where the smallest infraction can bring about a plague of locusts. <laughs> Uh, there's communist dystopia and a world where everything is the enemy and I think these are literal plagues of locusts Like it sounds like the book was kind of written tongue in cheek so. sounded like a fun one
0: it's a very it's a, one of his early ones that was published it was published in 57 um, Anthony Boucher said the novel is nicely calculated and jointly re- revealed hmm. um, and uh, uh, it's one of, actually, I don't have a copy of, but I've been looking for, of the paper book. Hmm. It's an early Ace Ace novel.
1: Well, I think this is one of the ones that they're being dual reprinted in audio and in print, so I'm yeah. sure i will find it now.
0: Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is The Zap Gun, performed by Mel Foster. The Cold War may have ended, but the Eastern and Western governments never told their citizens. Instead, they created an elaborate ruse where, each side, comes up with increasingly outlandish doomsday weapons—weapons weapons that don't actually work. And then the aliens invade, and all the countries have to work together. <laughs>
0: uh, I think this is an expansion of a short story called "The Gun," uh. um, and uh, that it's you know it's sort of got the paranoia and conspiracies and is typical Philip K. Dick stuff.
1: Yeah, and this one is um, targeted as having romance, espionage, and alien invasion. So there you go. Extra romance.
0: Mm. you got to have the romance.
2: Mm. Something for everybody.
1: And the last one of his in this round is The Man Who Japed, I guess. Mm, Yeah. Performed by Luke Daniels. Uh, This one's only five and a half hours. And the description makes me laugh. Following a devastating nuclear war, again, the moral reclamation government took over the world and forced its citizens to live puritanically. Maybe all a revolution needs is one really great prank.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, a jape is a joke, uh, especially when it's like a uh, kidding or making fun. And the, uh, the character is kind of, I guess, the idea is kind of like the uh, Harlan Ellison story um something something said the tiktok man well you know the one i repent. mean damn repent yeah. harlequin said the t- tiktok right. man yeah i think that's what's called um and uh anthony boucher didn't like it he said a hasty and disappointing effort but um it's got a great cover and i've got i've got the paper book for it
3: hmm.
0: so i'm i think i want to try that one um the regime, uh, by the way, is called Morek, which is short for Moral Reclamation. Um, and uh, Jenny, like this, um, a thriving black market exists. However, one can purchase Decameron, uh, James Joyce's Ulysses, Chevly wine, and pulp d- fiction detective novels from the 20th century, but only at hastily, uh, sorry, uh, vastly inflated prices. <laughs> how many of those things do you like <laughs> Cameron uh, James Joyce Ulysses Chablis Wine and Pulp Fiction Detective Novels
1: that's funny I guess that's all you need for modern society right <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it, it, he, he's, he gets obsessed with things uh, Phil Kidick does so he gets obsessed with some idea and he says oh that's a great idea and he writes it down um, and then the next book he's obsessed with some other thing hmm. um, and it just you know uh, being uh, a crazy autodidact, he, he, he writes down all the interesting things he learned in a, in a fiction story. Um, and so whatever he was look, thinking about that month, I guess, gets written down. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty crazy, but it, it's fun. What's yeah. an
2: autodidact?
0: Autodidact is a person who teaches oh. uh Didacticism is something about teaching an auto-self.
1: So, well, uh, that's right We're two of the books that aren't really uh, SFF I
2: was going to mention two uh, Phil K. Dick things on Audible mm. Oh yeah?
1: Yeah, because there's, there's collect- even more coming out, I think
2: Well, there's a collection of short stories If you want short stories called Oh, a I War- do Called A World of Talent and Other Stories that's where Oh, yes go.
1: Oh, nice
2: And then uh, they did They call the story Total Recall And that's by itself So it's like, that's an hour long hmm. so I gotta look that up Instead of the original title, they call it Total Recall so I thought I'd mention those two. Uh,
0: well, uh, I'll happily tell you something about a world of talent It's very interesting. Um, that is uh, from a good friend of mine who's doing uh, the audiobooks. We've had him on the podcast before. And um, uh, his name is William Kuhn. He's uh, got a company called Eloquent Voice, and he's, he's that's, I think, his fifth collection of Philip K. Dick stories. And he sent me the file uh, of the first chapter of that a long time ago. It ended up in my spam folder, and I just caught it right before it was about to expire uh, and downloaded the, the thing. And he says, check this out. And he, he dedicated the audiobook to me because <laughs> yeah, it's really Aww. weird. At the beginning, it says, uh, this book is dedicated to Jesse Willis, who's blah, 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 right? Um, it's because uh, I keep tracking those uh public domain philip k dick stories that's where he's getting the content Huh. so well, that's I thought nice. that was very very strange to uh, you don't usually have dedications in books uh, hmm. uh, uh audiobooks usually they leave that out or if it's in there it's uh it's not usually in a short story collection you know so that was a bit weird and cool
1: yeah it's really cool who's well, the
0: reader on the total recall I just look it up. Hmm. Oh, Phil Gigante. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Another did you thing hear I, I that, uh, Sorry? Go
2: ahead. Um, did you hear that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy where they talked about Phil K. Dick?
0: No, I haven't heard that one yet. I, I'm looking forward
2: to it, though. Mm. The, they talked about his movies, though, right? Yeah, and... Yeah, about his short stories. Actually, uh, John Joseph Adams was complaining that... uh. You can't just buy like every story that was adapted into a movie in one book. Like they're all spread out into different books.
0: Yeah. Well, they did do a collection years and years ago um, that wasn't just uh, wasn't just Philip K. Dick, but it had a couple of Philip K. Dicks in it. Um, it was called Real, the Real Stuff, and Real spelled R E E L. Hmm. And it it's a great collection. Not. Probably available on Audible, sadly, but uh, basically it was all the science fiction movies that got to, uh, all the science fiction movies that were adapted from classic science fiction short stories. And so it had Mimic, which uh, is an amazingly awesome short story by Donald A. Walheim. Um, not not a great movie. <laughs> Screamers, which is uh, the movie, was adapted from a short story called Second Variety, which is available as a public domain book. Um, and uh, uh, there was, I think, uh, the Total Recall original short story. We can remember it for you. Wholesale was on there and a bunch of other ones, uh, including the one that was um, Millennium. You know that movie? Yeah, with uh, Cheryl Ed. Yeah, and Chris Christopherson, I think. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that was based on a short story as well. That was pretty interesting, and um, there's five or six others that were, uh, you know, adapted. And you know, there, there's really great value in extracting uh, the original source material because usually the movies aren't that great. Um, if you guys have seen the most recent Total Recall, it is terrible. It's it's basically a remake of the mo- the previous movie without any of the humor or without any of the, the sort of uh, you know in a way that um, uh, Inception was more of a adaptation of the original story than than Total Recall was of the original story just because it's about the ideas. Rather Inception than, was a story. No, it's not. But it it, oh. it's, it, it I'm saying that's a movie about ideas right um it has all those you know chase sequences and uh, such but this the plot is is in service to the ideas rather than the 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 chase sequences are in services to the plot Uh, or something like that (laughs) total recall is not good yeah it's stupid Uh, i haven't seen it i mean the the original is a classic to me Oh, yeah, the original is a classic, but the remake is, I mean, it it just, uh, I I was reading somebody's article not that long ago, and they were saying that you're you're reading, you're looking at movies wrong if you're not understanding the big science fiction space operas or movie things as uh, opera. It's like opera for Americans, um, where they have these large set pieces. Uh, explosions and jumpings and all that stuff it's it's like don't look at the details that doesn't matter it's it's the the combination you know transformers is opera don't try and make sense <laughs> don't say this the physics don't work it's opera it doesn't have to hmm. i'm thinking well i guess that's one way to look at it and it, it is it's true like if you look at um, Professional wrestling and say it's not real. You're kind of missing the point. That's not the point of it. You've misunderstood that it's not about being real. It's about being epic. Hmm. And uh, maybe that maybe that's a good way of looking at it. But I just I I don't want epic. I want ideas. So, well, I don't think Total Recall is making that much money or staying in the theater that long anyway. uh, Who knows? Loopers. Loopers sounds like it might work. I don't. You guys heard about that one?
3: Mm-mm.
0: Is that uh, the train and the time? Uh, it's a new time travel movie. Oh, um, with Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jeff Daniels and a bunch of other people. Hm. So that might that might work. We'll see. We'll see. What else we got on this list?
1: Um. Well, did you want to talk about other things that have come out recently? Sure. Okay. Um, I noticed when I was looking through Audible that um, there are a lot of Stanislaw Lem books that are out on audio now. Books I've never read, I've never heard of. I've only read um, memoirs found in a bathtub. I haven't even read Solaris. <laughs> um, but there is Return from the Stars, Mortal Engines, Peace on Earth, The Siberiad, Fables for the Cybernetic Age. Um, so if you're a Stanislaw Lem fan, you have a lot to choose from right now. <laughs> They are all I released read, the last two weeks.
2: I think we read Siberiad in school. It's, I think it's a collection of short, funny short stories. Oh, yeah? Tales for the Cybernetic Age, it's called. Well, it
1: sounds fun.
0: He can uh, be a little
1: bit absurdist, system. you know, and I really like that. So I would Yeah, that might be a good entry him.
0: point for him mm-hmm. instead of uh, Solaris. Wow, there's a good collection of yeah. Yeah. How do they I, put out this much so fast? There must be different narrators. Uh,
1: yeah. Two of them are Scott Yellow, or a... Oh, three of them are. It's been busy.
0: Yeah. Not sure how you say his There's name. No, re- no reviews up even for most of them. So.
1: No, they just released in the last two weeks. So, um, yeah, Sorry. I was excited to see that.
0: Some of them, yeah, they're all reasonably. You know, the longest one is eleven hours or something like that. Yeah, fourteen yeah. hours for a Fiasco. Oh, I think. I think we got to do something in there. Yeah. Peter Logical just- Congress. I've heard good things about that. Mhm. Oh, that's right only four hours. Wow, five hours. Yeah. Read along I say Lem read along
1: Yeah let's do it
0: All right. You know, over on the one sword
1: one. and laser We use the word Lem To mean <laughs> oh, books that you Start but never finish I, Because so many people hated Tam
0: started that, right?
2: <laughs> I see Tam using that term all the time He uses it but <laughs> Well Veronica said from... like uh, Memoirs in a bathtub Yeah, uh, Where it came from
1: <laughs> But I, I think Lem is a positive word <laughs> We yeah, should read just... more of him <laughs>
2: There's this new anthology called Lemistry, and that's people writing in the style of Tennis All Lem.
1: Oh, really? That's fun. Mm.
2: That's like a new I word. thought
1: the bathtub one was crazy, and I want to reread it. Mm. It was really fun to read. Just don't know what's going on at all the whole time.
2: <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't, like, long and boring?
1: No. I
0: think. So Solaris might be uh, one to do, but I've seen both both the Russian and the American one, and neither of them is a really great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe be better to stay away from the what, what, Which one do you think would be a good one? What about future logical Congress? I, I think, um, Eric, uh, Rabkin talked about that one hmm. at some point on a podcast.
1: You could either do that or pick one of the fables from the Siberiad too. Might hmm. be another option.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's, let's nail that down. After the podcast, what, what else? What else? I think you, most of his stuff is pretty humorous. Uh, Solaris is kind of unusual for him.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, Luke Bird did a review of it.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, interesting it's an interesting story. It's, it's so that, got a lot of levels to it. And then Marvel
2: uh, just retranslated it right from the original.
1: Mm-hmm. The other one I wanted to mention is Noise by Darren Bradley. Um, Let's see, I'll read the description In the aftermath of the switch From analog to digital TV An anarchic movement known as salvage Hijacks the unused airwaves Mixed in with the statics, random noise are dire warnings of the imminent economic, political, and social collapse of civilization and cold-blooded lessons on how to survive the fall and prosper in the harsh new order that will inevitably arise from the ashes of the old. Hiram and Levi are two young men, former scouts, and veterans of countless Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. (laughs) Um, I actually read the print in this when it first came out, I think 2009, gave a few copies of it away. I kind of huh. know the author, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's good. I do.
0: <laughs> well, let's hear the author's name again.
1: Darren Bradley. This is his first published novel. Hmm. Um, so it's very, you know, post-apocalyptic feeling, dystopian feeling.
2: It's only five hours.
1: Yeah, it's five hours. And the the narrator, Chris Patton, he does a lot of like the zombie
0: Oh, he's a great no- narrator. Stuff. So it he's kind got of, a sort of soft voice, right?
1: Yeah, fits right into that. Actually, this book terrifies me. I, when I read it, I was just like, I hope the world doesn't end up like this because I wouldn't know what to do.
0: <laughs> it says well written, but it isn't in any way a fun read.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's a dark future, but I really like it. That's what it. Jenny
0: likes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dystopias are good. Yeah. As long as you don't have to live in one. I, I, I always feel refreshed coming out and say, "Ah, oh, no, I get to go back to the real world, which is much safer and friendlier than this. Maybe my you life just is... Just kiss the bad. ground as soon as you finish the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that one just came out, too. I've listened to a bit of it, but I'm still trying to finish Cloud Atlas.
0: Hmm. Well, let's, let's uh, keep our eyes out for that one. Uh, the cover's not particularly evocative of uh, any specific genre, is it? Hmm. It's just a uh, white noise and blood but uh, i like the premise it sounds interesting
1: yeah and we'd already talked about battle royale that's really the only other one i had written down for new release you didn't read that did you no i just wrote down that it was coming out <laughs> okay hmm. it's a long one though 20 hours
0: yeah, yeah that's what—that's really scaring me off. And I think there's a comic, uh, comic version, isn't there too? Tam, I'm not novel. sure about that. I know there's a movie. I've seen it around. Maybe I'm just thinking it—it's in the near the comic section.
2: It wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, it's a—it's a—it's an old story. It's not any yeah. time new. I don't
2: think.
1: No, I think they're just trying to capitalize on the Hunger Games audience. Yeah, yeah, smart. It
2: must also been in manga form sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys, uh, you know,
0: I never finished the first book. Uh, I started reading it, and I thought, oh, this is pretty good. Um, and then I somehow got distracted or something. I think I, I was reading it when my niece was reading it, and she stopped reading it for a while, and I, I stopped reading and and she kept reading it. Hmm. Um, but I was thinking, uh, 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 maybe I should finish reading it before I watch the movie. And then I watched the movie, and I thought, ah, I didn't need to keep reading it, because uh, if... my comparison of the movie to the book was that, oh, it's actually a very faithful adaptation. It's really showing you basically most of what's going on in the book, which I guess is good, right? Um, But if that's true and it continues right to the end, it's like, wait a second, this isn't an idea book. This is a dystopian world where they don't overturn the dystopia. They don't, fight against the dystopia they just live in the dystopia and yet well I guess but yeah but see uh, my understanding is that it was not written with sequels in mind right and that makes me think you know I've heard that people are disappointed with later books or read about that anyways and um my thinking is that that that's that this it's like uh what was that movie uh movie that was based on a a book that uh, Spider Robinson hated. He thought it was awful. Um, you know the one I mean, Tam? It's the uh, dystopia read, written by a mainstream guy. Uh, the Road? The Road. Uh, Jenny, did you read? McCarthy?
1: Yeah, I've read that one and the, what did you think the movie.
0: Of, what did you think of it?
1: Um, I mean, it's just really bleak. There isn't a lot that goes on. It's more about... You it's know, the, the landscape. Yeah, the journey. Father and Son.
0: Yeah. Uh, I didn't read the book, um, but I watched the movie. I thought, yeah, it's just a movie. <laughs> it's, 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 but.
1: I don't think no I would judge idea. that one based on the movie, though. I
0: No, I, I get that. But I'm saying, like, maybe they're going to overturn the dystopia in the later books. But if that, that wasn't even, like, hinted at, it's just like, hey, we survived.
1: No, I, but I think you're like wrong.
0: Or something. You're I don't com- know.
1: You're completely wrong. I mean, this is a spoiler for people who haven't seen the movie. And the thing is, is that the way they didn't die, like, one person didn't win. Yeah, but... So they didn't follow the rules. And when you're 12, that's the only real option you have.
0: Or were they supposed to be... Yeah.
1: They're supposed Uh, to kill each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know how Battle Royale ends. I, I I don't either. Gotta read more on that, I guess. But... Uh, I don't think Battle Royale is supposed to be science fiction. And I, th- I thought that I was reading a science fiction book when I started reading Hunger Games, and that's what I was excited about, because it was a dystopian novel mm-hmm. uh, in a post-apocalyptic United States or something. Um, but uh, th- at least at the end of the first movie, I, I felt like, huh, you know, they, they waffle on the rules right, on what's going to happen, but really that's not a that's not a defeating of, of the system and it, have you guys read this later books?
1: yes and that's, that's why I say not yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there's only two more right, the, right. it's the final one yeah uh, is it science fiction or not
1: Well I mean this,
0: is it science fiction
1: <laughs> this world where the game makers can actually change what happens in nature I mean that's kind of science fiction?
0: Uh, no, 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 that's not one. I know it's science fiction-y. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is it science fiction? Because a dystopia is either something you rail against uh, and get crushed by, like 1984, or you rail against and defeat and overturn and become something else. But if it's something you just set your, your world in, that's, that's not science fiction, that's something else.
2: I would...
1: Well, I guess you're just gonna have to keep reading and find oh, out. Read no. <laughs> the
2: Wikipedia entry. just doesn't want to ruin it for you.
1: No, I don't want to ruin it for you. And where is this book of rules that you have anyway?
2: <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I need to write it down. Ever, it's mm. ever evolving, but
1: mm-hmm. um, that's convenient.
0: <laughs> it's not convenient, in fact. It's quite different. But no, oh, I, I
2: dystopian rulers uh, do it too. Uh, idea fiction, Jenny. That's where I'm
1: going. See, I don't really care about whether or not dystopia fits into science fiction or not. It's more about, I mean, to me, dystopia is always about control. Who has it and who gets to live and who gets to make their own decisions? That's what these books are.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep reading.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I've only Wait. seen the first movie. Yeah. That's our only one movie,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far. Do I'm you sure know a lot of the... A lot of the outdoor scenes were shot about an hour from where I live. It's kind of cool. Nice. Drive up into the mountains and be like, "Hey, it's The Hunger Games."
2: Where <laughs> is a District? Third. You see the arrows shooting through the air. Where, what? What? What part of, is it supposed to be? Appalachia
0: or something?
1: Yeah, that's where District Twelve is. So that's where.
0: Oh yeah, Kat- District Twelve. Sorry, no.
1: Katniss is from. Right.
0: No, it's a, it was a,
2: it's it's okay movie. Just uh, not sure it's science fiction. She had a chubby face in the movie. People were upset about that.
1: She did not have a chubby face. She's just normal. <laughs> well, I'm oh.
2: going to give this actress an eating disorder.
1: Goodness.
0: Everybody in that world does have an eating disorder, of course, except for the people on the, on the place. They can't eat. <laughs> That's their disorder.
1: Yeah. Hunger. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: They have
2: an eating problem.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, you know, I should mention a book I'm really loving and uh, listening to and very surprised by uh, is a collection of essays by um, Christopher Hitchens called Arguably. Hmm. It's uh, available as an audiobook, and uh, each each file, you know, each chapter is a one essay, and they're all about 10 minutes long or so, but... Uh, I've seen tons of connections to uh, science fiction and, and adventure and all that. Uh, he's a big fan of Flashman, you know, uh, that character. Um, early uh, 20th century um, adventure character. And um, 1984, he talks a lot about uh, the connections between... Uh, George MacDonald Fraser is uh, the author of the Flashman books. Um, anyways... Uh, really amazing collection um there's so many essays where i said oh wow i just learned something really interesting and new and um traveled all over the world that guy
1: didn't he just recently pass away
0: yeah he died uh not not too long ago was Um, he on bill mayor mayor uh probably he was um he's all over the internet and uh youtube probably uh but yeah most of the essays are like written for um the uh, the Atlantic Monthly or oh, okay. uh, Vanity Fair. And a lot of them, you know, I'd known about um, or read about earlier as they're happening, basically between the ni- late 1990s and uh, 2010, 2011. Um, and just really well written. I mean, it's it's nice to have um, good short essays. You can see wh- how he can make his living just as an essayist. Um but also, you know, fascinating, fascinating historical uh, insights and cre- very—he's very much into. Crit- most of them are actually book reviews. So, huh. if you've ever read the uh, New York re- Review of Books, um, that it, I don't know if it's still a newspaper, but it was as when I discovered this thing it's like. Holy it crap, is. <laughs> it's a newspaper. that's just book reviews.
1: Yeah, I like, still read it.
0: Holy crap! It's awesome, awesome book because, or awesome paper because basically it's people arguing with the books, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the best. That's that's what I try and make my reviews in the style of. That's why there's no star ratings or anything like that. I try and uh, engage with the material and think about it and um, try and fit it into some sort of understanding of the world. Do you, want, um,
1: do you want to know my favorite part of the New York Review of Books?
0: What's that?
1: <laughs> the personal ads.
0: <laughs> oh, because, yeah. interesting,
1: right? Yeah, they're all these retired academics. <laughs> I, they're, they're so amazing. They, they make me laugh. Sometimes I email the people just to be like, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I haven't seen a copy of them for years and years. but um, Yeah,
1: because I, I follow the blog, too, so... Oh, I, a I get a little bit of duplicate posting, but you know you can't get to the personal ads unless you're reading the print that, that I know of. So
0: mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't even know how, how we ended up getting it up here for a while, but um, it is an amazing. It, it's just great writing, and
1: yeah, very academic. The, and
0: it, well, it brings it not not even, I don't think academic's the right term because most academic writing is really shitty. I mean, it's it's written to. <laughs> It's written to get grades, you know, it's, uh, or, or it's written to, you know, just put books on shelves. And most people don't read most academic writing. It's more like um, literary writing where they're trying to grab the audience.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and, and often it's written by academics, but, you know, just a very few select few or, or autodidactic academics or something, you know.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they'll have um, reviews of musical performances in there written in the same kind of style, yeah. which are really interesting to read. Wow. I enjoy it.
0: I'm going to subscribe to that blog because I didn't know they had one.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, you know, just kind of occasional things. So it's not everything, but it's still worth following, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if they have a, an iPad app or something. I'm they
1: sure do. they must.
0: Hmm. Might be. Or right, yeah, we'll just go to- through
1: the web browser. Hmm. or at least some kind of online subscription
0: no yeah I, I, so in that collection arguably a lot of them were written for Vanity Fair online and hmm. then a lot of them are just regular Vanity Fair and um, I love Vanity Fair's articles but I hate reading the magazine it's just such a horrible thing to have to
3: turn
0: <laughs> through 40 pages of ads for handbags
2: right Jenny's favorite magazine I it's a wonderful magazine <laughs>
0: Awful advertising. It's just clogged with advertising.
3: hmm
0: Anyways, um, arguably by Hitch- uh, Christopher Hitchens. Really great book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I the narrator I'm ninety nine percent sure is not uh, Christopher Hitchens, because I remember listening at the beginning saying, Oh, I wonder if he reads it no, himself. It's
1: Simon Pebble, Pebble.
0: Right, but he's got he's got Christopher Hitchens' voice. He's stolen huh. it. Because he sounds exactly like him. I, now, I, I think if I put them side by side, uh, you know, and listen, I say, oh, it's clearly Simon Preble, not Christopher Hitchens. But he's got the inflection. He's I got think. the same accent. Right. And when you hear Christopher Hitchens writing, it sounds like Christopher Hitchens talking. You know, his, his argumentative style and his, his, um, his way of uh, turning a phrase and his vocabulary all is very Christopher Hitchens. So it, it, it's like he read the book. Unbelievably interesting. I'm about halfway through.
1: Yeah, all the reviews are really positive about the reader. So
2: It's kind of like the Joe Walton book. It's not her, but it's someone with a Welsh accent. <laughs> yeah. Something similar to her, if not yeah,
1: better. It, it really helps. It does. Readers are important. I've been um, reading the long-listed books for the Booker Prize, so not science fiction or fantasy, but I just finished uh, Bring Up the Bodies by Hilary Mantel. It's the second in her Wolf Wolf Hall series. It's historical fiction about the Tudors, basically, and focusing on Thomas Cromwell. Mm. And it was really good. I think the only thing about it is that I already know the story inside and out, so I'm not really reading any new stuff she's Mm. a really great writer and the way she describes Thomas Cromwell is just really riveting but like otherwise I'm like well yeah I know this story already so (laughs) not a surprise Anne Boleyn dies
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah but you don't read yeah I I don't believe I don't believe that uh, I know we've argued this before but I don't believe in spoilers I I just think that uh, it's so rare that something requires that you not know something, uh, it, because uh, if if that were true, you know, all of history is a spoiler because you you ended up here. But history is absolutely fascinating, and it's not because you don't know what's going to happen.
1: Well, it's I guess because the, the
0: details are fascinating.
1: When I read historical fiction, which is rare, it's not my favorite genre. Um, I prefer to learn something, like when I. Oh learn- yeah, you
0: you want to not be totally getting. But I think you know one new thing amongst four old things is okay.
1: Sure, but I wasn't seeing a lot of those in there.
0: But so. historical fiction, historical fiction, is not exactly the same as history, though either. No. Uh, uh, what, what about uh, something like *I Claudius*, where that is fictionalized history? Uh, do you do you distinguish that between uh, fictionalized history versus uh, historical fiction? Where nope. I guess. <laughs> I, I just think that fictionalized history or history uh, done as narrative um, can be pretty interesting, especially when it sticks to the facts. But I'm less interested in uh, ones where it's a made-up character hanging around real characters.
1: Mm. Well, you this know? one is very much just focusing on the characters that are historical. And she even says very specifically which, which things are kind of Twisted a little, which things we don't actually know, but
0: mm.
1: for the most oh, part the, of it, I
0: think it. Was that like the story. introduction?
1: Yeah, it might have been at the end. Oh okay. The the copy I have is a review copy, so it's a little. It's presented a little differently, but.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah.
2: I assume it's not like the TV series, The Tudors.
1: Well, you know, it's the same story, and I've seen that entire right. series, so. Um, yeah, a lot of it just wasn't that new to me.
3: Okay.
0: Are uh, we wrapping it up?
1: Sure.
2: Sure. Well, I was going to mention that Wool is out on audio. That's a uh, popular... Uh, when you did a review of... No? No, you didn't do no, it. We did. About. Ah, yeah. that's right. I might have mentioned about the phenomenon of it in e uh, ebook, but now it's on... Uh, it came out in audio last week. Hmm. And uh, Ridley Scott's going to make it a movie. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Luke's review was pretty good. He just... Like that it's actually kind of, uh, it seems like it's based on having spoilers. So Luke's review is very graceful in just avoiding explaining how actually the world really is. Because that's kind of a mystery in the beginning. People are just living on the ground. You don't know the whole situation around it. So seems to be a popular thing.
0: It's, it's uh, 18 hours, but it says wool one to five.
2: Yeah, it's like five uh, short stories, I think.
1: I hadn't heard of it before.
2: Oh, yeah. It's like a big phenomenon in the, in the Kindle world.
1: Who knew? <laughs>
2: One of the Kindle millionaires. Uh, I see. Weird. Uh, people don't like the performance. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Did Who's Luke narrated?
0: like it? Yeah, he did. <laughs> narrated by Mini Good. Uh, I don't know if Luke did the the audiobook, though. I think he might have read the e-book. Um, but, yeah, people are hating on the performance. Uh Mm -hmm. zero stars oh there's one that's five but most are zero or two stars or I'm sorry one star
2: Luke said the author actually contested him after his podcast oh wow that's nice Yeah, kind of like Jenny she always makes friends with all the authors
1: (laughs) I like to meet authors
0: (laughs) this has been the SFF audio podcast
3: Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.